Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. I am feeling a little under the weather, so excuse the stuffy voice, but a little bit of a cold. It's all right. Won't hold me back from doing the podcast and doing the newsletter. So if you guys want to get the charts and the commentary, it's more in-depth and specific on the, the written report that goes out free every Friday, go over to the website, sign up for that, bitcoinandmarkets.com. If you want to support the show, support this type of content and the Bitcoin banter episodes, along with the community that we're trying to build here, go on over to the support page as forward slash support. All right, so let's just get on with it. Let's get on with the price. So we're going to go with Bitstamp. Uh, there is a significant premium on Tether or on uh, Bitfinex. And people are saying this is because of the Tether situation and specifically uh the Bitfinex being solvent situation. Are they solvent and all this stuff? Well, you know, it's a business that makes a lot of money, uh, billions of dollars uh, a year. So they have high capital requirements for this. And they're going through some periods of illiquidity, but, you know, they're working it out. And Bitfinex has been a good actor throughout this whole time. I'll get into this a little bit later when I do talk about Tether. So, I mean, they've been around the block a long time and they continually outperform and they continue to support Bitcoin and not do any of these. Uh, well, they do trade shit coins, but they continue to back Bitcoin uh, like in the 2X stuff. And, um, you know, they're just consummate good actors in the space. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt because we don't know. Of course, we don't know. We don't know if all of these reserves are there. We don't 100% for sure know. But we have uh, breadcrumbs of evidence in a certain direction. And if and plus we have the idea that Bifinex is a good actor, a long-standing good, uh, member in good standing of this community. So um, if you don't if you want to disregard the breadcrumbs and the long-standing good members in the community, go ahead. But come on now, you have to say you don't know and that you are discounting the breadcrumbs and you're going to FUD. Bitfinex and Tether. That's what you're doing. You're spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If if you don't want to be a fudster, just don't talk about it. And then the defenders of Bitcoin or the the uh, non enemies of Bitfinex, <laughs> you know, then the non enemies of Bitfinex can uh, won't have to speak out against it, right? Against your fud because it's strict fud. You're discounting the breadcrumbs and going towards your bias of not trusting them. But Jesus, I went on that for a while. I'll get into more of that a little bit later. But so Bitfinex does have a significant premium. It's like seven, six, seven percent right now. I saw I think as high as eight or nine percent and it has come down slightly from there. Uh, the tether price though is pretty much bang on a dollar. So the tether price is showing no problems. Uh, the Bitfinex price is showing uh, some uncertainty with the exchange. But anyway, let's use Bitstamp because that will get a lot of the drama out of the way. And right now on Bitstamp, we're showing 
five, $5,665. We are continuing in this channel, upward channel, uh, similar to how we did uh, back in March. March, we were in a upwards trending channel that broke to the top side through that resistance uh, at 4,000 that had been holding us back for quite a while, uh, three, three months or so. But there is a difference here. So in the channel in March, we did not have a bearish divergence in the RSI. The RSI continued up and had its own little trend line. Uh, now in this channel, we are forming massive bearish divergences in the RSI. We also have decreasing volume, where in March it was pretty much flat throughout that whole channel. Now we're having decreasing volume and bearish divergences on the RSI. This is very simple technical analysis, but keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh, this is telling me that we're still set up for a significant pullback. And we have been going up now since was February 6th, 7th, something like that. Throughout Bitcoin's bull markets, they have, we have these periods of about 30% corrections. If you go back to 2016, 2017, we had these big runs and then a 30% correction. Well, that could be the case coming up here soon. Uh, 30% from 6,000, of course, would be down to roughly 4,200, which has been my target for a long time. But, uh, you know, maybe this is confirmation bias on my, <laughs> on my part, but uh, I'm still, I'm still targeting at least uh, mid 4,000s for a correction. I mean, there's just this big gap in the chart that needs to be filled up. We need to test previous resistance, and we really haven't done that at all. Uh, we've only gotten higher highs on decreasing momentum. So that's a little bit fishy. Plus, we have this big tether stuff, which I think, you know, there might be a plunge protection team for Bitcoin. There are these big whales that uh, when tether is fudded or there's some extraneous shock to the system, these big whales are uh, they, they're set up to kind of come in and help the price. So let's go on to sentiment. There is some stuff going on here with shorts and longs. Of course, these are Bitfinex numbers. So you got to take these with a little bit of grain of salt. Of course, there's still a lot of volume going on uh, on Bitfinex. So it's not like a dead exchange or anything. These are still very significant numbers to be looking at. So we do have a ratio of 0.6, that is longs over shorts. And that's been flat for about a week, as well as the total. So as shorts have increased, longs have come off as the price is going up. Uh, that's interesting as well. Longs are at the lowest level on Bifinex since January of 2018. Shorts, however, they are elevated but not ridiculously so. We were at these levels right at the beginning of the year and many multiple months throughout 2018. And they continue, it looks like they're continuing to add more right now as I'm talking. So interesting dynamic. If we pop up to 6,000 and we bounce off of that resistance or, you know, the 5,800 to 6,000 band, um, if we bounce off of that, then I can see um, some shorts either getting liquidated or just closing if we go up that high. 
but there's an interesting um, dilemma here as well because Bitfinex's price is now over six thousand. Is that correct? Yeah, Bitfinex price is over six thousand. So it's going to be hitting these different levels, significant resistance and different levels before the rest of the market. Um, and so how does that affect the longs and shorts? We'll have to see on that. Let's hit mining. So mining, it looks hash rate has returned, folks. Uh, this is a good sign. We have um, expected hash rate increase in just about 12 hours from now at roughly 5%. Maybe it'll be down to 4% because it looks like it's uh, coming back down a little bit now. But um, that is the hash rate kind of respecting this price. And I've said it for a long time, the hash rate moved 5% right before the April 2nd pump. And that's, that's when the difficulty increased by 5%. And then it's been flat since then. So the miners were not believing this price, but maybe the miners are starting to believe this bear market is basically over and they can start bringing their hash rate back on a little bit. Of course, the price is way higher than it was back at that time. It's 50% higher. So the hash rate only moving 5% is a little bit fishy, right? Where are these miners? Where is this hash rate? Come on. There's got to be something that they know. There's got to be some underlying issue here. Is there just not interest right now in mining Bitcoin? I don't know. Maybe the price has to get back to 6000 before these miners become profitable again and they come back on. I, I don't know. But, I mean, this is a little bit fishy. That difficulty and hash rate has been basically flat for, for over a month, despite the price being 50% higher than a month ago. Lightning numbers, I'll just touch on those real fast. Uh, nodes continue to increase at a very slow but steady rate. It's like 1% to 2% a week at this point during this plateau. Um, the capacity is bang on almost the exact same. I saw it last night at 1,060, which is the exact number that I reported last week. So again, the lightning plateau continues, but that's just the metrics of it that we can measure, right? Um, Zap, I saw Zap just came out with a iOS app that incorporates Neutrino. Um, so some of these... Uh, new advancements are coming to Lightning very shortly. And it has to do a lot with the development of Bitcoin Core as well. So Bitcoin Core released 0.18. And I'll link those, I'll link all this information in the show notes so you can go and read up on that. I don't want to get into, but Lightning and Core, the development is going very well. That is the infrastructure being laid for the next exponential run. And it just seems to really well coincide. So 0.18. And some neutrino stuff, some lightning stuff is coming out right at the beginning of this bull market. So I think it's a, a really good thing to look forward to. Let's see what happens. All right, let's get into the news items. This is, <laughs> I, I just want to talk about Tether a little bit here. A lot of people are asking on Twitter why some old school Bitcoiners or old timers, <laughs> why are we defending tether and i mean it's a good question because it seems counterintuitive that this tether is this kind of 
shadow banking system and they might have fraction reserve. And isn't that what we're trying to get away from? Cause we hate central banks and yada, 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 all this stuff. Right. I mean, but that's just a very kind of shallow understanding of what's going on here. Um, I view tether as the front line in the fight, not because they are better than Bitcoin or anything. I've said for a long time that tether is the number one altcoin. And I believe that still, because the battle is not Bitcoin versus Ethereum. In the end, that's not the battle. The battle isn't Bitcoin uh, versus Bcash. The, the battle is Bitcoin versus the United States dollar. And maybe gold as well. I mean, you could throw that in there too. So Tether is the number two, number two coin out there. And it is, in a way, unregulated. It's underregulated. They do their best to stay as le least regulated as possible. Unlike Coinbase, the exact opposite of iFinex, which owns Bifinex and Tether. The exact opposite of iFinex is Coinbase. They are the most compliant. They want to be the most compliant. They want to help make the regulations. They probably fund Coin Center. I'm not kidding you. I bet that's true. Because Coin Center wants to be regulated. I mean, of course they want good regulation and they're, they have, they have all the best intentions, but you know, they're, they're educating the devil. Do you want to educate the devil how to beat Bitcoin? No, you don't want to do that. You should, I mean, there needs to be some misinformation going on there too. So anyway, uh, iFinex is the polar opposite of Coinbase, which is, you know, we, Old-time Bitcoiners hate Coinbase. <laughs> we seem to like Bitfinex. I mean, I don't like Bitfinex, but I don't really have a problem with them because they've been the this uh, member in good standing in Bitcoin. All right. Uh, so they are the front line against the banks, in my opinion. They're the easier target than Bitcoin. They are the most uh, threatening to the banks at this at this exact moment in time. Or at least the, like, they just look like a juicy target for the banks. And there is also this argument. We've talked about this in the banter too. So, um, you know, do all coins provide regulatory cover? Like if the government doesn't go after XRP, which is <laughs> blatant security and just a totally centralized money printing scam, they don't go after Ripple. They can't go after Bitcoin, right? So, that's the argument there, but I don't, I don't see that. They, they don't mind all coins. Like if I were a incumbent bank that, you know, had partial ownership of the central bank or whatever, I would want these altcoins that are garbage to <laughs> try to take down the king, flipping the king Bitcoin, right? So altcoins don't, they actually are the weapons of the banks. It, and the government, when the government doesn't crack down on XRP, it's probably because one, people in the government weren't affected. <laughs> Two, they think, oh, it's a counter narrative to Bitcoin, right? So it will suck up some of that, that money from those people. They are thinking that like coins like maybe Ethereum as well, but Ripple for sure. They think, oh, so people want to invest outside of our system. Ha ha ha, let them invest in Ripple. And then they're going to wreck them. 
See, it's a tool of the banks, these altcoins. So it's the exact opposite of what people say where altcoins are the cover for Bitcoin. Now, I can see that argument with Tether. Tether, I believe, does fit that argument. They are the front lines against the system. If the system, which is now attacking Tether and Bitfinex, if Tether and Bitfinex can hold out longer, that gives Bitcoin a longer period of time to continue to grow and strengthen. Not that it necessarily needs it, but you know what I'm saying here. Like, use a shield. Bitcoin's shield right now is Tether. It's not the altcoins. Altcoins are the little uh, bullets coming at Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has this shield of Tether that's blocking these bullets. And now the government's getting involved. Anyways, <laughs> so that's, that's how I'm seeing this. Um, okay, more specifically on this Tether situation, Tether has fired back iFinex has fired back. Uh, they want to see the New York Attorney General's cards. They're like, come on now, you can't just drop this on the market, try to wreck us and not show your cards. Like, let's see your evidence. Let's have a hearing. Let's schedule something. Uh, let's go to court, right? Uh, because the AG just wanted to freeze the line of credit between Tether and Bifinex and then address it later, right? So wanted to cripple Bifinex in the meantime, why they were doing this. They had a problem too. Uh, I'll link to this and show notes. This is a full text of this um, response from Tether filed with the New York Supreme Court, I guess. In there, they also have a problem with the use of the word investors. They say that Tether doesn't have investors. It has customers. Uh, so different acts uh, of law, different uh, statutes of whatever, uh, case law, they don't apply in this certain case, um, which they cited supporting evidence for as well. So where else do I want to go with this? All right. I also want to talk about fraction reserve versus full reserve. And I think Tether is a middle ground. Um, it's not full reserve as in cash. If, if you're going to talk like traditional full reserve definition is 100% cash. If uh, Tether is not that. All right. And then the uh, definition of fractional reserve, the actual book definition, I looked this up, was um, that they lend out their deposits. According to the school book definition of fractional reserve, this is fractional reserve. But I want to make two points here. One, Tether is a middle ground here because they, they are not uh, making loans in excess of deposits. For example, how we always study that banks create money. They take in $100, but they lend out 1000 And that is what we see as fractional reserve. Tether is not doing that. Tether is not lending more than they got in deposits. They are full reserve in the respect of that loan only goes up to the total amount of deposits. I hope that makes sense. So it's, it is a middle ground between these two definitions, and I call it full reserve. It's not full cash reserve. But it is full reserve, in my opinion. It's not as good as, of course, 100% cash. I'm not saying that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up about this fractional reserve is there's people are saying, oh, fractional reserve is bad. This is why Bitcoin was created and all yada, yada, yada. No, Bitcoin wasn't created because of fractional reserve. Fractional reserve isn't a bad thing. It's not. Fractional reserve in itself is not bad. It's only bad when they're too big to fail. 
So when you back them up and you bail them out by printing more money, that's when it's bad. But in this case, they're not doing that. Fractional reserve in itself is not bad. That's not why Bitcoin was created. Bitcoin was created because of mandatory trusted third parties. If you don't want to deal with Tether, don't freaking deal with Tether. If you don't want to deal with Bifinex, don't deal with Bifinex. It's fine. They don't control your Bitcoin, right? Your keys, your Bitcoin. If you want to put your keys on Bifinex, go for it. That's, that's freedom, baby. Now getting further in this situation, we have all these people that have been chicken littles throughout the whole thing. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. And what does it turn out? Tether was 100% backed until very recently. So all of these court proceedings are doing a, you know, de facto audit on Tether. And it turns out that they were 100% backed until very recently. So all these chicken littles, they've been wrong the whole freaking time. And now they're continuing to be wrong again. And people like me and other old timers in the space, they've been right the whole time. There's a record here. There's a record of hating Tether for some reason They're, uh, on the chicken little side um, and the government side and the big bank side. They hate Tether. They've been gone after every chance they get. I remember when they had the Noble Bank thing, it came out that some people found where Tether and Bifinex were holding their money. And what happened very recently, very uh, soon after that, Noble Bank had problems. Why? <laughs> because I think these big banks are searching for these. And as soon as it comes across their radar screen, they're going to cause problems for Bifinex and Tether. So anyway, Tether is the front line. Okay. We need to hold the front line. Tether eventually will fade away. I don't think it's going to explode. It's possible, but it's highly likely that Tether will continue uh, to dominate the stablecoins, I hope, and they'll slowly fade away as you know over the next 10 years. All right, that last thing about Bitfinex here is this IEO. And this is another brilliant move. So the SEC and the government hasn't gone after these ICOs, or very, very few of them. They're four years now behind the curve. They haven't done anything against Ripple, which is an obvious blatant scam. Uh, things like Ethereum that were securities. All of these ICOs are really securities. And they haven't done anything. And so they're kind of safe. Like the funds raised by the Ethereum Foundation in the Ethereum ICO is safe from government uh, involvement or uh, harassment. So what does Bifinex do? Oh, it's genius. They're going to do an IEO, uh, initial exchange offering. They're going to do their own coin, kind of like Binance does. Because they're going to hide behind the same thing that these other scammers are hiding behind. They're going to use it to their benefit. So they're trying to raise a billion dollars. And we'll see what happens. Of course, this doesn't like look great and it's going to give the fudsters more ammunition to fud bifinex but in my in my eyes it's a genius move it's a genius move 
I mean, when Bifnex starts to get passed by, like maybe they're the 10th largest exchange, they're starting to have lower and lower volumes all the time. Uh, they look to be not breaking even or, you know, having problems in excess of their profitability, then I will get worried. But right now, Bifnex is so damn profitable. Tether is so damn profitable. Imagine every time that Tether falls to 96, 95 cents. Just rebuy your tether at a 5% discount, right? Rebuy your liability there. And you just cleared 5%. So we're talking, let's say on a billion dollars, 5% would be 50 million. And if you do that every couple months, I mean, you're making, it's very, very profitable for those investors to be doing that. And if there's a huge spike down, like it got down to 90 cents, I mean, you're making a lot of money in a very short period of time. So Tether is very profitable and Bifinex is very profitable. So look, I, I think I've said enough. All right, that's going to do it for me today, guys. Thank you for uh, going along with me with my stuffy nose. Uh, next week, I'll be better. Don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter. It comes out every Friday with commentary and charts and everything. You can find that at bitcoinmarkets.com forward slash report. All right. See you next week. <laughs>